Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome back to That's Gossip, the show in which I talk about pretty much whatever I want. My name is Joe, if you didn't know me already, and this week I will be joined by my friend Kieran Raza, in which we are going to discuss growing up as queer people on social media. We both started our social media journeys at quite a young age. So yeah, we have lots to say on the matter, so let's just absolutely get into it. Hello, how are you? Hi, I'm doing pretty good, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Excited to have you here. So, so excited to be on. I've wanted to record a podcast for like ages, so it's really exciting to like, to be on one finally. You're the second guest as well. Yeah, I know. I used to do like radio shows and uni and stuff and I enjoyed it so much. And I wanted to do something like a podcast, but I had no idea like how to get into it or where to start. So when I saw that you started your podcast, I was like, oh my God, this is perfect. I definitely want to be a guest on it and sign up straight away. Well, I mean, you were one of the first people that came to me with like an idea of what yeah. they wanted to talk about as well so I was like right we're gonna nab him it's gonna be episode two and we're gonna go from there <laughs> so if you want to introduce yourself a little bit tell the listeners you know who you are where you come from all that jazz so I'm Kieran I'm 25 from Norwich and I am a graduate of media and communication I currently work in Greg's but I am aspiring to get a role in the media possibly something I, why am I treating this like a job interview <laughs> something, I basically I write a lot about music I do a lot of music journalism that I did in uni lately that's kind of been on hold but I'm a big basically music obsessive definitely I was going to say I feel like that's a way how me and you started talking I think I think it was like a music yeah, thing on Twitter definitely. one of us posted like a song and the other person replied and then we've been friends since then which it's very actually you know links into everything we're going to be talking about mm-hmm. so obviously me and you know each other through I think it was Twitter wasn't it, it was yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, Either. we know each other through I Twitter. Kind of, I and... guess I kind of started talking to you on Instagram and then like we exchanged stuff on Twitter and stuff. And like you said, we both have really similar music taste, so we both mm. be tweeting about the same releases every week. <laughs> we really were. And that's just how we started talking because like that's how I click with people. It's just like, oh my gosh, what do you listen to? If if we have the same music taste, then I'll vibe with you and we very much have the same music taste. So that's how we just we started chatting. I think that's like a really easy way to like test the waters in a friendship, I think. If, if you've got like Literally. a similar music taste, there's always that to fall back on, which I think is great. Yeah. <laughs> and when I used to, when I was single and using Tinder, that was, that's always what I would go to first. I was like, what do you listen to? <laughs> honestly, honestly, that's so funny you say that because my, when I was on Hinge, my, you have like, um you have to have like a question, like a prompt. So you mm. say, something and they reply with like the answer to your question and my top one was always put your music on shuffle and tell me what the song that comes up here that's it's, so good it's a great that's conversation really starter, good, isn't it that's that's a really good thing to do on a first day actually that uh-huh. just really talk about music because like everybody loves music so it's so easy to just oh i like blah 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 go on <laughs> so i've already mentioned that we're going to be chatting about our experiences growing up on the internet on social media yes. specifically as queer people in general we both mm. you know identify as part of the lgbt plus community and I feel like we've got a lot of things that we can sort of talk about and focus yeah. on and sort of just it's a very interesting conversation to have and I'm very excited to dive into it yeah so firstly I think a great place to start is sort of chatting about how old we were when we first sort of came onto social media what app we started with like how we sort of found out about it so yeah. if you want to go first tell the tale of how you became as social media savvy as you are now so I going way way back my first touch with social media was Bebo, Bebo. when I was like 
I call it Bebo, like, but still. Bebo! <laughs> I love that. I think when I was 12 or 13, I don't, I literally don't remember much about what I would use Bebo for, but I would mainly just use it for posting shit on people's walls. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember they had some kind of feature where you could draw like a brick on someone's wall and it oh was like God. permanently on their on their profile. So I, I would just go on people's profiles and draw penises. <laughs> and that's all I would do. Most people found me really annoying on there, but I would just post like random, I didn't have any friends so I was very much a weirdo and I would just like customize my profile and like post random weird photos as a weird 14 year old would do. I feel like that's like a very 14 year old thing to do though. It I feel is. Like and people got really got personal person. about it as well which I didn't realize <laughs> but they would get really like upset about it and be like Kira why did you write that shit on my wall and I was like I- is it that deep? It's not that deep at all. And I think the thing with Bebo as well is like... No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Bebo, if, if I may. Bebo, first things I first, I've seen that apparently it's making a comeback. I've seen on Twitter. I know, I'm so intrigued. Yeah, I really me too. What gonna do with it. I don't know, but it's just like, oh, we passed it now. Is it going to be one of those things that everyone gets a Bebo account for like the first day and then we never touch it again? It's... Remember the other week when that Hive app came out? Oh my gosh, I got really... I had really... Like, I was on the verge of getting FOMO because it's not available on Android. Oh, and really? Because I, I saw people tweet posting about it i found i think you tweeted about it like mm. you thought it was some like like a library app or something or, yeah, no like, it was like there's an app called hive on the app store where you can control like your central heating and your lights inside that was house. it yes i found that and i was like why is everyone posting about hive that was the only <laughs> app that came up and then i realized oh it's like an app that's only on apple i really hope it doesn't take off because then i'll be left out it was incredibly short-lived and then yes. it lasted a day <laughs> all the games followed each other briefly and then no one ever logged in because i remember it was like live for a day and then the next day it completely like logged out and everyone got logged out of their accounts and everyone was like, well, that's that. Bye. <laughs> See you later. But no, I feel like Bebo was definitely my start as well. And I remember the feature on that that I used to really hate when I was like, I think 13. Do you remember they had the bit where you could put your top friends and they'd have yes! nine people and you'd put them in order. So people would be like, well, you're not my first top best friend, you're only number four. I used to get really worked up about like, what if I put the wrong person at number one? What if someone gets <laughs> angry at me? So I remember I had my older sister on that and I'd put her at number one always. Cause I'd be like, well, she's she's family, so she's number one, she has to be. <laughs> and then all my yeah. friends would like, go below. It was savage. I don't know how yeah. I feel about it. Facebook, I think when I was, I have no idea how old I was when I first got Facebook. I want to say 15. Wait, I was maybe. 11. Oh my gosh. I think I was about 15, but it was like when Facebook was like properly like taking off and I what did I used to use Facebook for? Farmville and like just liking so many random pages that I've liked this day. I think I've like looked before and I liked something like ten thousand pages oh my of God. just random things. I just I would I would just go and like 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 things no, like crazy like a mania. I used to post like albums of just like really cringeworthy selfies mm-hmm. and like put like really weird deep captions or song lyrics. No, same. And it would always be like, did you ever have MSN? Yes, MSN as well. Yes. So on MSN, obviously, to type, like, the emojis or, like, emoticons or whatever they were called at the time, yeah. you'd have to, like, type out oh, or, like, a musical yes, yes, note the with little, brackets, the little... bracket. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, my so gosh. So I'd be posting I... statuses oh, at the back. age of 11 that would be, like, airplanes in the night sky, I like shooting stars, brackets, eight, bracket. Thinking I was so deep. I know a lot of people my age, like, they get to a point that they, like, delete their Facebook accounts and start again because it's just so cringy. But Guilty. I can't do that to myself. I feel like it's just a piece of my history. Those, like, it used to be 
um, do you remember the app? Oh, what was it called? I think it was called Picnic, where you can like edit photos and like add texts and like smiley faces and stuff. You can like, draw on that Picnic. one I didn't use, but I'm familiar with those sorts of apps. It was <laughs> the thing in our high school. I want to say, I maybe actually primary school, I think maybe high school we've grown out of it, I hope. But it was like a thing where you'd put a status up and be like, like this for an edit, and like you'd sit there all night and just edit things like <laughs> beautiful, gorgeous girl on top of like someone's selfie I love and then that. post it and be like, you're welcome. And then I used to be the person who did it and then went on to do a media degree. So I think the link. Yeah, honestly. graphic design is my passion. <laughs> exactly. <so. laughs> graphic design is literally my passion. Graphic design is my passion. So that was another fun thing for Facebook. But I think I'm guilty. I'm the person that deleted my old account when I turned like 18. I yeah, like, I think most what? people did, but I just can't do it to myself. I really like, like the history. And coming up later, I got Instagram in 2011, I think, mm-hmm. or 2012. Yeah, I think I was the same. And then I finally... Finally got Twitter. I think I already had Twitter at that point in 2012, but I never used it until like 2013, I think, because I didn't understand Twitter at first. I was like, "What do I tweet? I no don't. One, yeah. I, why do I have to? What? Why is there like so few words? What? Do, what am I supposed to tweet? I don't <laughs> get it. Am I, being am I supposed to tweet what I'm having for lunch today, or like <laughs> I'm going for a walk? Like, I, how am I supposed to use this? And it took me so long to understand it. And then that's about roughly where I started properly getting into music more and like drawing music uh-huh. at my own pace because before that a lot of my music taste was based on what was on the radio yeah and then once i started exploring music more that's when i would like follow the artists on social media mm-hmm. on twitter and stuff and then i would follow people that were fans of them and then that's when i started getting into more fan bases yeah and like and properly getting into twitter exactly and i think another thing that goes quite well with that is i think way back when in the day like 2013 when you tweet artists or whatever and they usually tweet back like it was so easy to yeah. get like a notice or like a follow from someone who's like you know an inspiration an idol to you whereas now it's impossible they don't reply to fans pretty much ever at the minute whereas like back then you could be like hi they'd be like hey that's so true and doing things like tweet sprees and like (gasps) oh my god that kind of thing i remember like the one direction fans used to go ham and just tweet Mm -hmm. the same thing and they just write x1 x2 x3 and then like loads of emojis yeah i was gonna say the same thing it'd be like i love you in brackets 158 and it's like whoa (laughs) but i'm guilty i used to do it all the time it's how i got I don't Grande know why follow. that was so like, normal. Hey queen, hey queen, hey queen, hey queen. Things we do. I don't know do. why that was so normal. It's crazy. But the, but the thing is, like, it was so normal. It's it was normal. Crazy. It's so insane. Like, it's your so whole timeline insane. would just be, I love you times 50. And you'd be like, yeah, okay. I'll join and I feel like, I feel like that only stopped was like a couple of years ago, I want to say. Mm-hmm. I I think, but then that's just. I think that reflects that age war because then you'll see the K-pop fans of this generation and like the the fandom type people of this generation. I don't follow any of them, but like they'll pop up occasionally no. and they'll do similar things, but it'll just be slightly different to how it used to be. Yeah, and it's like what are they call fan cams that people make. People yes, make. oh my god, fan cams! <laughs> I am so here for the fan cams. I'm here for fan cams too. I think the social media kids of this generation are so much more savvy than we used to be. They're so Very. creative and they make all these crazy edits and stuff it's so like it's actually low-key inspiring yeah like like all of the stuff with k-pop fans and like buying out the seats for that trump rally for example yeah 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 yeah. like all the activism they've been doing is just like it's crazy i'm just like oh my god i was so useless when i was like a stan back in the day all i would do is just tweet my idols and want them to like tweet me back and that was it like there was nothing fair i I remember once i had because i used to make when i was younger i'm sure some of my friends listening to this will know 
um, when I'm younger, I used to make these like um, at home like music videos, like li- me and my friends like lip syncing. <gasps> so amazing. No, it's that. where I thought my like media career was going to take off at the age of like 10. And I'd like, we'd all lip sync and I'd like put together all these transitions and effects. And then when I sort of entered the like stan world and became like fan and became like in a fandom fan base, I was like, I could use this to my advantage. And I was like 11 years old, like mashing up clips of like Ariana Grande with like flashing strobe lights and stuff. I was like, wow, I'm the moment. <laughs> they are awful. They're awful. I think I've got an example somewhere where I made one the Glee cast and I really genuinely was like, oh my God, they're all going to see it. It's going to get viral. It was terrible. Yeah. That compared to what fans do now, these fan cams they're yeah. making look like professional fucking adverts. Like oh, it looks so like it's true. been made for the artists by yeah. their own, you know, like um, label, but just very talented children out there, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so what are your experiences with fandom? Like, what were your early fan bases? And like, how did you kind of explore that? And like, how many fan accounts did you have? Did you have any famous fan accounts? Did you um... do the whole thing where you buy follows? <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, I've actually got a story about that. So we'll, we'll get there. But yeah. I think my first and only, because as you all know, most people listening to this will know that I am, you know, Twitter's resident Gleek. I'm the only Glee fan still remaining. But that has <laughs> been very, very prominent since I was like, the show came out when I was 11. I think I had a Glee fan account by the time I was 11 and a half. And oh my it, God. Yeah, like that's, I... That's intense. And I've never even heard of it before. And I was just like on Google one day, I was like, oh, I wonder if people make like, you know, fan Twitters and stuff for Glee. And then it opened me up to this world of, wow. Okay, there's so many there. So I just made one one day just out of curiosity. And then the rest is history. I think I had... What was your username? I had so many. I had so many. My <laughs> uh, my prominent one that sort of like was for years. What? <laughs> so embarrassing. Um, it was Hooked on Glee. Hooked on Glee. <laughs> and I had that as my Twitter and my Instagram. And you said, did I have like a famous one? My Instagram had like 20k followers. Good which, God. That's yeah, terrifying. which isn't, isn't bad <laughs> considering I was 12 years old. That's absolutely <laughs> terrifying. No, like on Twitter. You have like a responsibility I... at that point. This is you it. Have, I like, felt like it was a like full-time fan. job. <laughs> it is. <laughs> like it 12. Is. But my Twitter was where I just like, you know, tweet the fans. Like we talk and chat. And then I'd like tweet the cast and be like, oh, I love you. And I have replies and stuff. Whereas Instagram, I tried to make it like a professional little brand. Whereas I'd take like screen caps from the episode and I'd like make edits out of the scenes, like subtitles and stuff and make it all like edited nice and post it. So it's like one yeah. of those like screen cap accounts basically. And it took yes. off. I had like a decent amount of followers, but I also had other usernames that was like, I think I had Perfectly Glee. There was a moment where I did a crossover of my account and turned it into a half Glee, half Little Mix account. And it was <gasps> That like, is cool. I like that. I like, changed the name to like, it was like obviously for Naya Rivera and then Perry Edwards. It was like Naya Edwards or like per- Perry's Rivera or something. I'm like, that's... Perry's Rivera? <laughs> did you ever write any fan fiction though? Never fan fiction. A lot of fan letters. Oh. A lot of like letters. Letters. Yeah, you know Tweet Deck where you can write like big Yes! <laughs> oh, Tweet Deck. I have it somewhere and I'll find it and I'll post it on the um, That's Gossip Instagram. I have my not love letter because we even knew that I'm gay. I have like my letter of adoration for Naya Rivera and obviously it's kind of special <gasps> to me so now. Cute. Now obviously. No, that is actually so nice. It's very cringy when you read it, but it's like actually something very special to me now. And obviously I sent it to her. She never saw it, but it, it was fun at the time. Like, yeah, that fun. is really fun. That's so nice. <laughs> and I think another and fun retrospectively, box, like, that's actually really nice to look back on. Definitely. I think if things hadn't gone the way they'd gone, I'd find it really cringy. But now I'm like, oh, that's actually a really nice little memory. That's really touching. Yeah. It's like if you ever, for some reason, like met her family members or something, that's something that they would be really touching for them to see. Definitely. 
definitely, but then they'd read it. Like, <laughs> Maybe. Are you okay? I don't know if they'd want to see that. And then one more thing you said that I think I can't believe I'm going to confess this on the internet, but you said obviously you have like shout outs and stuff and you like team up with people and be like, I'll shout you out if you shout me out. There was this one account on Instagram that wasn't the official Glee account, but it was called Glee on Instagram. So it was like, head bitch, everybody wanted to be Glee on Instagram because you want to be Glee on Instagram, don't you? Because it sounds official. And they had like 100,000 followers, I think. And they'd have, they'd sell shout outs, basically. <laughs> and <laughs> me and my friend Faye, we, who I met over Twitter, we were both like, I lived in Cheshire, she lived in Bradford. We literally had never met. She was 13, I was 12. And we just used to chat about Glee and stuff. And one day I messaged her, I was like, have you seen that Glee on Instagram's doing shout outs? She was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we looked at the prices and it was 40 pounds for a shout out that was up for 24 hours. And we were like, this could be really good oh my we were 12. god remember we had no bank accounts of our own transferring money doesn't really exist then so we were like how do we come together and pay for one shout out for the both of us so moral of the story and what happened was is i sent her a 20 pound note in an envelope in the post <laughs> and she used her mum's credit card to buy us a 24 hour shout out from glee on instagram <laughs> I can't believe it was only 24 hours. What nerve did they have charging 40 pounds for that? 40 pounds. To be fair though, I gained like 3,000 followers, which at the time was Okay, like, that, that is worth it. Mm -hmm. That is worth it. But that's so much money. That's insane. I know. My post went <laughs> They must have been like, rolling in cash from that account. That's the thing. And I think the person running that account was only like a 16 year old. I was like, when you Jesus. think about it now, as people in our 20s, I look back on it and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> And like listening to this I now, this will be the first time my mum will ever hear of this £20 note saga. She'll have no idea oh my god! <laughs> no. My, I do have a story that kind of, it, it, it's not quite as intense as that, but it kind of rivals on the level of cringiness. Go for so it. So my early kind of fan engagement was on Instagram more than Twitter. And that's when I was really big into the Hunger Games. Okay. And so I'd follow loads of like Hunger Games, like fan accounts. And like off of that, I'd follow lots of like Harry Potter fan accounts. And they'd mm -hmm. make like edits and that kind of stuff. Just like stuff that was in the realm of like YA fiction, that kind of thing, because that's what yeah. I was really into. Bearing in mind also, I was a little bit too old to be this cringy, <laughs> but I think retrospectively given how social media was and how early it was, it wasn't too bad, but I was like 16, 17. Okay. I think it's not too bad. That's fine. Getting there, getting there. <laughs> but also bearing in mind, this was kind of like early Instagram days and I feel like my 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 like mental development on social media, I acted a lot younger than 17 year olds nowadays mm -hmm. would just because of how the culture was. Yeah, we all did. Um, so I don't know how I came across this. I initially downloaded Kick because I saw that like loads of people were posting about celebrities that they were apparently messaging on Kick. And I was like, oh my God, I want in on this. I want to like message Jennifer Lawrence and Josh Hutcherson on Kick and like talk to them. <laughs> and because this was before verification was a thing on Instagram. So yeah. there would used to be fake Instagram celebrities that were just about their Kick account and be like, message me guy, like let's hang out, let's talk. And so a, a fake Instagram for Emma Watson, which was so intensely fake to the point that it didn't even have a profile picture. <laughs> no idea how oh, no. I believed that this was actually Emma Watson but as far as I could tell there was no other Emma Watson and <laughs> like there was no Instagram verification so I was like it must be Emma Watson and some be. other girl who obviously was the girl that owned the account was like yes this is Emma Watson this is my cousin Emma Watson's my cousin and I texted her and she said that's her Instagram obviously she owned the account and she wanted to add something to make it seem believable okay, but she course. was like hey guys here's my kick message me any questions and so I had the 
the idea. I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. I'm going to message Emma Watson on Kick. This is amazing. And then I took it one step further by hosting a Kick Q&A uh, on my Instagram page. Oh so no. I would message her and I would post screenshots of the questions and like the answers on my, literally on my grid because it wasn't before like stories were a thing. Yeah, yeah, I got you. And I'd be like, okay, comment any questions and I'll message Emma Watson. And so like, uh, I just spent like half an hour going back and forth with this woman about like, I don't remember what the questions were. I wish I still had these screenshots because they'd be so gold the to look back now, on. They're gone. But actually I then made a friend through this with a girl named Maria who's from Brazil and we've okay. been neutrals for a while and she messaged me and she was she commented she was like oh my god is this actually Emma Watson I really want to ask you these questions this is so cool and so <laughs> I asked the question and then like we had each other on kicks and then we just started talking and then we continued talking and like years later so this is from like 2012 up until like 2016 I'm in uni in Coventry University uh -huh. and we're still friends and she's like hey I'm coming to Coventry to do a degree in English oh, no and I'm way. like what the hell what the and so we met up all those years later it's just like looking back on it I'm just like how did I actually believe that I was messaging Emma Watson <laughs> Hermione Granger like, the biggest actress in the world, world. at the time <laughs> on kick we've all been there it's madness <laughs> It's but as so you funny. say though that got a really good friend from that and i think i did it was so nice i'm so glad that i still have her in my life and that we're still friends but it's just it's just hysterical to look back on mad isn't it it's mental but i think like the best friend like the best social media friends comes from like the weirdest experiences i think definitely yeah like there was a time where like and this is probably the most embarrassing thing from like my glee fan page day there'd be like moments where you'd like be in a group chat and you'd all have to like pretend to be a character and you <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what were they called? They were role like, plays, like role, yes, role plays, yes, <laughs> which is now at the age of like twenty, role play means something completely different. So when you think back. <laughs> <laughs> But wait, I swear this this has evolved into a thing on TikTok now. It has. Or like the point of view videos. Like it's very yeah. that. Like people I'm like, but I see them on TikTok, like these glee point of views, and I'm like And it's like we did this years ago. What is I was Santana when I was twelve. Now? I was. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. It makes a lot of sense really. When you think about it, you wanna like give a brief summary of all the fan accounts you've had ever. Right. So in terms of my engagement with the fandom, I've as I said, my I started with Instagram and the Hunger Games. And with that I, I also post really cringy, really bad edits on my profile and like, <laughs> I wasn't a Hunger Games fan account, I never went that far, I just posted it on my personal, so I was a very lonely child, so I just basically <laughs> oh, delved no. straight into social media and like, absorbed myself with all of the like, Hunger Games content and that kind of stuff. Oh, sure and then, were. moving on from that, so when I started engaging on Twitter, I don't really remember what I first, the artists I started talking about, but I want to say it was Ed Sheeran. Okay, in my defense, this is Ed Sheeran in 2011, when he was like, good, and he was like a good songwriter, and he was I, like, widely like, adored, yeah, and not in his, shit. Yeah, there was a moment. Yeah, in his heyday. I want to say that, no, even before that, it was Owl City, which is really bizarre. So bizarre. I got really into Owl's, I used to be so obsessed with Owl City like 2011, 2012 I and I made I made a few friends with Owl City and then then I moved on to Ed Sheeran for some reason that's how I heard of Bastille because loads of Ed Sheeran fans loved Bastille and this sense. is 2012 like pre-Pompeii so it's when they were like really small so I got heavy into Bastille I would like tweet them all the time to try but I'd tweet Dan Smith the singer like to try and get responses and stuff iconic but I've made through Bastille I've made friends all over the world. One of my best friends, Celine, is from Paris, and we still talk constantly. And I visited her in Paris. I love I've got that. a friend in, but like, I I just have so many friends through them, and I value it so much. Basically, I don't belong to one fandom. It's like Ed Sheeran, 
Bastille, the 1975, mm-hmm. Taylor Swift. Yeah. And like, I've kind of dipped in and out of all of these kind of fan circles and made friends through all of them. But I, I really like that's, that. That's like the way to do it now. It is. It's really nice. Also loads of friends that you kind of had when you were younger through Twitter, or maybe you've like drifted apart or you don't speak as much. And then something happens related to the thing that you were fans of. Oh my God. Yes. You're back to It's like when, I know I've spoken about it a lot, but obviously it's something very near and dear to me. When Naya Rivera passed away, yes. I found myself speaking to so many people. Oh, Oh, that's so that I sweet. I spoke to when I was 12 and haven't spoken to since. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, we follow yeah. each other on Instagram. We remain mutuals, but we don't really chat because we just do different things. And then we're just all chatting and chatting and chatting. It's just nice to know that like, there's still people yeah. out there that share that bond and you'll never sort of like break it, break it, I think. That literally happened to me recently. Like my friend Ellis randomly followed me on Twitter and I was like, who is this guy? I don't, re- like, I don't recognize who is this. And then like he DM me and he was like, oh my God, I'm Ellis in the den. And I was like, we were friends friends in like 2013 and <laughs> you just disappeared and like I would randomly think of him sometimes because we used to talk like constantly on Twitter and yeah. I'd be like where is he I wonder what happened to him but I didn't have his profile he was only 16 so he was like in high school and uh-huh. like still kind of finding himself and stuff and now that we've gotten back in touch he's now gay and like he has a boyfriend oh. and he's like realizing himself and I was like oh my god this makes me so emotional <laughs> I can't believe you're like now like gay and like an adult and like you've gone through uni and stuff it's so insane I was just like I'm so proud of you it's mad isn't it you find yourself being so proud of these people that you've like never met and it's like, but i think leading on to the next point that i want to chat about with you which is something that i'm ex- excited to talk to you about specifically because it's sort yeah. of something that like isn't i'm not that familiar with like obviously me and you were both very on social media we have lots of friends on there we feel like i in the past have always had this weird complex about meeting up with them and it's never yeah. been like a stranger danger type situation it's not that i just panic every time i go to organize it or or like I push it back or I like change the date because I'm like oh my god what if it's awkward what if I'm awkward blah 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 but I know for a fact you have met so many yeah I've met so I mean I just named like a like 20 people in the past two minutes of like people I've met through Twitter so I want to hear not necessarily your first but just some of your like earliest or like best memories of like meeting Twitter friends in real life like sort of how you how you sort of approach the situation how you sort of you know just where it all came from and like the experiences you've had I remember the very first time I was recognized from Twitter and I was so taken back by it. It was at the 1975 at the waterfront in Norwich. It's a really small venue. And this guy came up to me. He was like, oh my God, you're Kieran. I follow you on Twitter. And I was like, I don't know who you are. Oh my who God. <laughs> and then like, it's because like, like people look different with my tiny little profile pictures. And like, I only know them from that app. And I remember thinking, I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. Like that was like the, the realization point of like, oh my gosh, these people are real. That's like insane. Legit, yeah. And then I, I get kind of the first circumstance where I like really, like properly started meeting people. It was just going to gigs and like seeing who's going to the gig well, I mentioned that Cambridge Bastille show I think that Cambridge Bastille show is the first time that I met up with loads and loads of mutuals and kind of yeah it's really hard to pinpoint like really specific experiences where I'm up with them because it's always happened so casually it's just always been like I'm going to this gig let me see who's going and then I'll meet up you with them in the queue them, yeah. and just trying with them in the queue and like nowadays everyone that I go to gigs with are people from Twitter like I'll, sh- I'll just buy tickets to gigs in London just figuring one of my mutuals would go and, and then you, yeah, I'll just the DM them completely. and be like hey let's go meet up and let's go to the gig together and I think that's really fun because none of my friends none of my like real life friends are really into music I had this really touching thing of once where I went to Liverpool on a uni trip no oh, I went to um, uni there yeah, <laughs> I went to uni- I went to Liverpool on a uni trip just for the day, and it was a really spur of the moment thing. I think it was like a mystery trip, and they didn't even tell us we were going to Liverpool until the day of. <laughs> Didn't know they were a thing. It was a really weird trip, 
<laughs> we literally just got on a bus and went to Liverpool and they were like, okay, now you're going to do a project. I'm like, I didn't know we were even going to Liverpool. What's it going on? Really bizarre, but it was fun. And I did like a post and I was like, had a really good day in Liverpool. And I had like five or six comments all from people from Liverpool being like, oh my God, I wish you told me. Yeah, and it, it was, was always like, very that, wasn't it? It was the nicest thing because I was like, it's so nice that people want to see me and yeah. like hang out. And I'm really looking forward to coming out of the pandemic and coming out of COVID. And like, I'm really going to prioritizing traveling to meet up with a lot of my internet friends. Yeah, like, me too. I'm dying to go to Newcastle because it seems like every other gay I follow is from Newcastle. It's like Newcastle, Manchester, or London. That's where yeah, we're Yeah, so I've got so many friends in Manchester. I'm definitely going to go on loads of nights out again in London. I've never been to a gay club in London before, so I want a big I will gay show you the road. Yeah, it needs to happen. It will. And it's, it's really, like, particularly over COVID, it's really, like, having yeah. social media friends has really gotten me through it so much. I agree. And particularly having friends in different parts of the world as well is really interesting because you get to see what it's like in say Paris or in, in America and in different cities and what the situation is like and it, it, it's like it's so cheesy but it's even though it's the one trauma that's brought everyone together because we're all going through it exactly. and I can remember like early days of like video calling friends and just like checking in with people it was just really it, it was really valuable to have internet friends I think I because agree you can see friends like in your town your city but be able to know that it exists beyond your local area it kind of keeps you grounded and yeah like, I it's, it's terrifying but it's also reassuring and it, yeah. it just it's really helpful to be able to have someone to have like a big list of people that you can go to at any given time to just chat to and like talk to and yeah. just vent and rant about how you're doing I think another thing about that as well is the thing even when it's not face-to-face interaction I just know and I think we all know that like during COVID if there's been like a day when like I'm down or I just need like a pick-me-up I know but I'm going to go onto Twitter and something there is going to make me yeah, laugh. Something's so going to make true. me happy. There's always something happy. There's always something good. And because obviously the social media internet is a great place to, you know, make friends with people that share the same interests as you. It's like just a hub and a safe space to go and like everything you see is going to be something that, you know, you're at least be half interested in. And it's just, yeah, it's nice to have it all in one place, I think. And also I was, I can't remember who I was saying it to the other day, but I think since COVID people are being a lot more mindful and a lot more engaged in social media I think yeah, I feel I think like so well. I'm talking to so many people that maybe I didn't before or like I haven't for a while and like I'm finding myself watching people's stories and being like not to say I never was because I was but like you just don't have the yeah. time in normal life do you yeah. but I find myself like watching people's story and being like really interested and like asking them questions about it like what's yeah. this why did you get that how's this blah, blah 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 and I think that's something I really hope sticks once we're sort Definitely. of out of this mess and also, I think people have been so open and honest and raw about mental health and actually how they're doing. I, I think a so lot much. of people have been more open about it um, because we all are struggling a lot more. But it's prompted a lot of conversations about mental health and about like, self-health. And that really, really helps. Like for me, I've, I've had so many days where I just don't have the energy to do anything or the motivation. And one there's a kind of toxic part that's emerged from the pandemic of this like okay now you have so much time off to invest in yourself and pick up a hobby and do an activity and that kind of thing and for a little while I, I had it in my head I was like oh my god I'm making no like effort to do things for myself oh my yeah. gosh I'm such a failure this is awful but then on the other hand I saw a lot of tweets that were saying hey every single day you're going through so much trauma and that is really draining and exhausting give yourself a break and I saw a lot of things that are like different iterations of that kind of tweet and it was really reassuring and helpful to kind of come to terms with 
that because none of us know how to react to this and still don't every single day is a new challenge and a new experience and no, to deal but basically just to have your th- your feelings and emotions validated by other people is really really encouraging and it's something I think that would be difficult to get if you didn't have social media because you don't have anyone else you don't have that outlet to kind of see how other people are doing and to have yeah. like someone not that like necessarily like obviously you need to go to a therapist for professional advice on mental health and that kind well, of thing yeah we can't but just be like social- a- you need a therapist we've got social media it's not that yeah, easy on- <laughs> <laughs> on a basic level to have that validation and to have those people reflecting how you're feeling is just so reassuring and helpful and it really gets you through the hardest of times. Yeah, and I also think like the discourse that's been going on, like people speaking out about it more has helped you sort of like identify people that maybe kind of feel the same way as you that maybe you wouldn't know before. Like I've seen people tweet about their mental health and I'm like, oh, I struggle that way as well. And then my DM got someone to talk to that maybe you wouldn't realize that you had that thing in common before. People being a bit more open about it. Yeah, it's very counter. It really counteracts the kind of sheeny, filtered yes instagram perfect lifestyle that we all kind of like strive to achieve before covid was a thing and like i'd get the worst feelings of fomo and like worst Uh feelings of like feeling like i'm not good enough and and, like feeling like i'm not like attractive enough or this kind of thing before because there'd be such a focus on like perfect filtered content and i feel like that's still prevailing to some extent but on the other hand people are really waking up to it and realizing that like even if something appears perfect on the internet it's really not how it seems and a lot of it is filtering and editing and lighting and that kind of stuff yeah so just don't worry about it basically just do you just try to be as happy as you can with your life and with like what's going on with you and try not to worry about anyone else because a lot of the time those people their lives that they represent as being so perfect isn't accurate i think that like the demolishing of that wouldn't have happened as much if covid didn't happen i think it kind of would continue that's the thing and i feel like people have been forced into having to show like a real side of themselves because they haven't got these things available to them to sort of craft and manufacture this life anymore like they can't have their holidays and they can't have like the nights out of all their friends so they're having to show the things they do in their own day-to-day life and i think it's i think it's a it's a positive thing for so many people that like, there'll be yeah. so many times and i'm guilty of it that i'd be and i probably still will do it when we go back out again because it's just you slip back into old habits but there's been so many times where i've like planned where i'm gonna go just because I want to get that picture. Like, I've yes. planned what I'm going to wear just because I want to get a picture on a night out, which is perfect. I still kind of do that. I still kind of do that. Yeah, like, but I want to get to the point, and I'm at the point now, and I'm sure you are too, where you don't want to get dressed up nice for a picture. You want to get dressed up nice to make yourself look nice and have fun. Yeah. Like, yeah. I want to leave this whole doing thing specifically for a social media platform sort of in the past. I want to live in the moment, enjoy it. If I get some pictures, I get some pictures. If I don't take a single one, I don't take a single one. It's not that deep to me anymore mm. i don't think whereas in the past completely different my friends would back me i used to be the lighting's not good enough let me move let me move oh picture here picture here and it's like who who cares who's who who is looking at these photos cares <laughs> i remember <laughs> i remember you tweeting your like cringy old instagram post of you're like ooh, costa aesthetic <laughs> <laughs> yeah i used to post a picture of like a tuna panini and an ice tea we have all been there we have I all used been to there. post it and be like you're all jealous like, you're not. No one's jealous. It's Costa. Costa coffee. Yeah. You're saying that though. That Costa meal that you posted probably would have cost about 30 quid. So oh, fully, like my whole entire life savings was gone. But... It's pretty gourmet. <laughs> <laughs> and if I put but, yeah, I would definitely be there. That's another thing. There. When I saw like 
posted that, I was like, oh, it's so embarrassing to post that now. But like, if I wanted to post a Costa on my story, let me fucking do it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. who cares anymore? But just, it's it's weird. You get in a headspace, don't you? Where you like really overthink what you post on social media. And I still do it. Like, if I yeah. tweet, say I tweet something that, I think it's funny and it doesn't get like more than like two within minutes. literally 30 seconds if and I delete it and I'm like why who I literally, literally did exactly that earlier God, they've only got four likes on a tweet how embarrassing because literally like I've said about a million times who cares <laughs> I was actually thinking about something earlier um we didn't discuss this in the planning but I'm really curious Go now way back in my fandom days I used to be so heavy on like visiting the like unfollowers website every single day and anyone that want to follow me unfollow them immediately yep. and like I I didn't have the most impressive ratio so I don't know why I cared that much but like <laughs> I was like really like heavily focused on like unfollowing people back and that kind of thing and like I and then I'd feel really personal about it if people unfollow me I'd be like oh my god what have I done oh my gosh they hate me oh my gosh and then, in some instances, I'd even create drama around it. And, like, uh, I'd, I'd uh, have, like, beef and, like, arguments with people because they'd unfollowed me. And it's, like, looking back, it's really not that deep. Now I'm at the point where I've not visited that website properly for, like, I think three or three years or something. I, I stopped yeah. doing the whole unfollowing people back. And I feel so much better about it because I, if someone follows me, I just, it's not deep. Because I also unfollow people just because, like, I don't know, their content doesn't vibe with me. Or I just don't, I've just grown out of them. Or just, or it's not, it's not as offensive as I originally thought it was. I do sometimes get self-conscious when people don't follow me back, but I've I'm grow- I'm getting to the point that I'm kind of growing out of that. At the minute, I feel yeah. it doesn't bother me. Like, I can't remember the last time I even checked how many followers yeah. I have, let alone, like, yeah. who they are. I mean, are. we're both adults now, so I think that makes a big difference. Yeah, like, obviously, I... The only place where it gets me still, like, if I'm, like, I like someone's tweet, and, like, I go onto their Twitter to see the rest of their tweets, and it doesn't say follow you next to it, and I, like, know that they've been following me in the past, I'm, like, I get a bit panicked that I've done something. Yes. I, that I haven't. <laughs> From personal experience, I know from unfollowing people, it's like, at the end of the day, I tweet about Glee on an hourly basis. I don't follow me if I wasn't me as well. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, there's times where I'm like, oh, I wonder why, but it's never like, uh, I'm going to ask them because their, their response would be, I just felt like it. Or like, there's so many reasons why. But back in the day, I would check the unfollow unfollower website religiously. Like, yes, sometimes hourly. Daily, <laughs> daily, daily, daily. And I would unfollow anyone who didn't follow me, especially on my fan account, on the Glee accounts, because in my head, on the Instagram, I was creating like a professional Glee business. So I was like, I can't follow more than a hundred at any given time because no, 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 it makes me like I'm, it makes me look like I'm buying followers. I'm you are buying followers. <laughs> <laughs> You're buying the shot. Remember that, Jay. So now it doesn't bother me at all. And I think a place where it struck me quite well is I noticed maybe over like the past like year or two was me personally on Twitter. I've only started like properly, properly tweeting lots and making lots of friends on there mm. from like a personal place rather than like a fan account back in the day. I've only been like making friends with like strangers, if you will. Like not they're not strangers because it's such a small world that we all know each other anyway but i'm still using the twitter account that i had in high school so all of my original followers like the first like couple hundred are all people from my high school or surrounding high schools so mm. i noticed maybe like a year ago or whatever i think i might have checked out of curiosity i think i was just scrolling down my following page and i got to the bottom where all the high school people were and i noticed that so many of them don't follow me anymore and i had a moment yes. <laughs> of being like 
oh my god have i grown out of people from my hometown and then i was like yeah oh yeah that happened a long time ago and i know that and i happily did that like there's no need for these people to follow me anymore because we do not talk would have followed me back in the day because back in the day i was tweeting about the high school house parties or i was tweeting about school they had a reason to follow me but now our interests are so different and i took such offense to it when the first few people started doing it and then i was like i want to unfollow them because there's no reason to follow them so like i'm not offended by it it's just a personal preference i guess there's yeah, no bad blood on either side Bringing that over to Instagram, something I've seen a lot, a lot of the kind of the, the sort of more mental health oriented influencers I've seen yeah. talking about, I, they talk about kind of curating your feed so it doesn't affect your mental health. Uh-huh. And to some extent, that includes like unfollowing people that you look at and you it goes back to the self comparison thing. Oh, if funny. you look at a post and you think like, oh my God, I wish I looked like that. That makes me really sad. The best thing you should do is just unfollow them and just like get rid of all of the kind of stuff that like feeds that like self-comparison and feeds that urge to kind of improve yourself and particularly when it comes to like influencers and like I don't know gym buff type people like if you're into that and like it doesn't affect your self-esteem too much then go ahead follow them if you're interested in that but also I think it's really important to curate your feed so it doesn't affect your mental health and your well-being in terms of self-comparison and then if it's if it's awkward or whatever, you can always mute them. <laughs> Follow these people and mute them and then view at your own pleasure. And I think it's important yeah. with social media that if there's certain things, this is the thing with me, like, there's certain things I want to see, like, but I don't want it to catch me off guard. So I'm like, if yeah. I follow these people, keep them on mute and look at them when I'm in a good headspace, it's fine. Or like if I fall out of a friend and because there's like this whole, like, if you fall out with someone, there's the blocking them and the muting them. And it's like, I get it because sometimes it's out of sight, out of mind. But I think the mute feature is so good because you can not have to have this horrible, big, dramatic, like, I'm going to block this person. I'm going to unfollow them. Just mute them. And then you can look at their stuff as you please. And that goes for people that you've fallen out with. That goes for these people that you compare yourself to. Because you even find yourself, you compare yourself to people that you know personally. And you don't want to yeah. unfollow your friends because why would you do that? But also, jealousy is a thing. It's a big thing. Yeah. If it's really bringing you down, you really need to be aware of that and know when to say. I, I read like a term yeah. doom scrolling recently and it's it really like describes it really well you want to avoid getting to that point and it's just having that awareness and that like being able to moderate it yeah and i think it's really important because i feel like sometimes you can find yourself almost looking for something to piss you off like, yeah. sometimes you're just like like you you get yourself into these bad headspaces and if it wasn't for being able to search for the certain things that you're searching for on social media you wouldn't be in the bad mood that you're in one post and it can change your mood so intensely when it shouldn't be like that a bit from you about how sort of being on social media as a younger person has sort of helped shape yourself into the person that you are now it's a really interesting one for me because i was trying to think back about it and i think instagram has been more influential on being a bit more outgoing with expressing my queerness and expressing stuff through fashion and clothing. Um, so in about 2018, I started going to local drag nights. There was one called the House of Days and they don't exist anymore. And it really breaks my heart. Oh, no. because, like, <laughs> I couldn't go to the last of their nights and then COVID happened. So obviously they weren't doing any more events. And I think they were planning on breaking up anyway, but then it was COVID. So they couldn't even do like a last night. Oh, and no, it's no, the most no, crushing thing. I honestly miss the House of da- Days girls so much. And I really miss going to those. Yeah. So basically coming off of that, I would go to these nights and then I would follow all of the drag queens on Instagram. Yeah. And I just found it so empowering seeing them being so bold and extravagant with their looks and their makeup and so experimental. And I was like, oh my God, I want to do that. I want to like get up there and like be a bit more outgoing. So like then I would continue and go into these nights and I put together an outfit. I got like a dress. I started doing makeup and that kind of stuff. Love and I would that. never have dreamt of doing that had I not like 
seen all of it on Instagram. Yeah, definitely. Um, like, I think social media for queer people is so important because it's it's an outlet where we can express ourselves freely without judgment and find our chosen families and find our communities. And I've definitely engaged a lot more with the gay, the LGBT community on, on Twitter. I think since the pandemic's here, just kind of going back, there's this urge to kind of come together more. And it, like, so I've been engaging more with like the LGBT community. And there's just so many inspiring people that I've found and that I've learned from. Oh gosh, even going way back, like there's so many things about social, like social justice and stuff that I would never have known about had I not gotten like Tumblr. Like Tumblr's been so educational like, yeah, about like genders and about I, about non-binary genders. I knew nothing about non-binary as a gender until like 2013, until my friend came out to me as non-binary and I learned about it in a college class. But then I learned about it even more when I was using like Tumblr and Twitter and seeing people discuss it and talk about different genders and different sexualities. There's been so much education on trans rights and about struggles with that. And then obviously, most importantly, the Black Lives Matter movement blew up last year and it would not so have been Like with the Black Lives Matter movement and seeing racism discussed so honestly and raw and really taking the time to look at yourself and think about your own racial biases and think about Black people's struggles and what you can do as an ally and giving the platform to um, minorities. It's just like, I feel like I'm using a lot of big words and I don't quite know how to get it out, but it's just, it's so, it's important for that visibility. It's that platform that like I'm saying, it wouldn't have been achieved without social media. Uh-huh. And I think the whole rawness and how yeah. the things were being posted, yeah. I think there wouldn't have been so much there. Not so, there's such a long way to go, like such yeah. a long way to go. But I think without people seeing so many like raw, intense videos, they wouldn't have felt as inclined to like get involved. Yeah. So I and think- I think personally, like I don't know about you, but personally, I've felt like in the past I've been like, you know what? I'm not racist. I'm not homophobic. I'm I'm really open and accepting to everyone but then there's all so many ingrained racial biases that you just don't recognize and you don't think about like I remember thinking about the first time I had the term like racial bias I was like let me think about my own racial biases like okay music is the main thing I'm really obsessed with and really into let me go through my Spotify and look at how many black artists I actually listen to and I was ashamed yeah. how few there were and I just spent the entire day listening to all of the different black musicians that I'd meant to in the past and it's really you know, made me be more thoughtful about supporting Black-owned businesses when I can donating to different charities and organizations, powering those people that need the platform instead of speaking over over them. And so I've, I've kind of struggled to kind of decide, like, is this my place to talk? Is this not? So I found the best thing that I could do is if I see something really important, instead of reiterating that in my own tweet that's based on what they're saying, I'll instead retweet it and try and give them as much of a platform as I can. Give them the platform, yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And all of these discussions, and they're so difficult and they're so hard to kind of handle, but Twitter and Instagram has made it so much easier to kind of consume and to really listen to these people and listen about where they're, listen to their stories and their struggles and think, okay, what do I need to do to change myself? What can I do to educate other people? And most importantly, what can I do to empower them? Like with yeah. the education side of it, like there's so many things I've learned and this is, you know, it extends so far to, you know, LGBTQ people, it's Black Lives Matter movement. Like yeah. there's so many things I've learned about so many different, you know, communities that I would never have known. So what we were just talking about, I think leads on to what I want to say next is that recently, obviously, it's a sin aired on E4, Channel 4, or 4, Channel 4, um, which we all know 
you know what it was about it was incredible it was so educational so well done and obviously it follows the hiv crisis hiv and aids and um Mm. sparks a huge social media discourse yeah massive like yeah because it was it was heartbreaking for a start so people were you know talking about how upset it made them and i just feel like it's all i saw when it was yeah, out it was so first... widespread like completely more, i i feel like it was more than any kind of discourse surrounding a tv show or a media product than ever before i think covid obviously helped that because everyone's watching the same thing <laughs> but this obviously played it in its favor because it got so many people talking about the issues and what i i what i loved about it is the, what is like the most important part of the show overall more completely and i think um I saw. I don't know if you saw it, but um, you know Harry and Holly. Do you follow mm-hmm. them? Yes. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. They basically. I, I mean, they're both two of the funniest people on Twitter. They're incredible. But they tweeted Channel Four, being like, "Just as a heads up, obviously, it's a sense incredible, but we just think you could benefit if you put some information, like an information card, at the beginning, at the end, yeah. where to go to get tested, because it's a common stigma that you have to pay to get a HIV test when you can actually get them for free. So. Mm they were like just suggesting maybe you could pop in a little information card just letting people know where they can go to get tested and channel four replied and they were like thank you so much for pointing that out and then they did it and i think that yeah it's great if it wasn't for social media and someone being like hey i think this would be good they would might not have done it and like maybe they just didn't think but i think it's really important and then from that or just from the show in general i've seen so many people like actively saying i've just got tested i've just got tested which Maybe yeah, they would have done than, like ever before. It's crazy. Yeah, and like, and I specifically learned about. I had no idea about U equals U. No, me which, neither. Oh, what does it mean again? I forgot what it stands for. Un undetectable equals untransmissible. Yeah, and I didn't even know that was a thing. I had no idea that it was untransmissible if it's undetectable, and about the different drugs that you can take and about PrEP and that kind of stuff and how it actually works. Mm-hmm. I knew none of this. And now it's absolutely blown up on Twitter and Instagram, educating about it and talking about it. And I think that's so vital for queer people growing up to know about how to stay safe and to know about the stigma against HIV. And that if you ever come into contact with someone that have, has it, it's not like detrimental and that if it's undetectable, it's untransmissible. And that's, it's really groundbreaking because go, growing up and going like in school, there was absolutely nothing about queer sex and nothing about not LGBT. Oh, no, of course not. There's nothing about the AIDS crisis. Like I shamefully, when I was growing up, I didn't even know that, that AIDS like existed in the UK. I thought it was a problem in like Africa or something that my only like, Awareness of AIDS we're led, from, you are led to yeah, believe that. my only awareness of AIDS and HIV was from like the Red Nose Day appeal and like really? yeah, what they would show of scenes in Africa and stuff. I had no idea about the issues and like the history of the AIDS crisis in the UK and in America and throughout the world, how many people have died from it. And it's, it's honestly, it's such a travesty, but it's really so vital that that history gets talked about and that those people, you know, that it, it wasn't for nothing. And It's a Sin is... It's probably one of the most like important television events that's happened say this decade, and it that it will have a really long lasting impact. And I hope people continue to watch it. And I even hope it gets to the point that it's it's shown in schools, maybe for slightly older kids. Maybe they can make a. They, I'd love if they made like a PG thirteen version where they cut out all the sex scenes and they they make it a bit more. Yeah, there's um, some scenes in that work. TV show that is not PG thirteen. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> but like it's just 
in it's just so inspiring and i've never been moved by a tv show like it like the I way think a lot of people would say the same thing never yeah and the way that the characters were represented it really felt like they were part of your family and a part of your chosen families and i every single p- character in that show i feel like someone could identify one of the stereotypes i don't know twitter really amplified it for me like i mean i didn't even know about the show until i saw people tweeting about it in the first place yeah i i, I think it coming out in lockdown really made such a difference because everyone was watching it yeah it was all put on streaming services so everyone watched it straight away and that, that's really what got the conversation talking i think if it was broadcasted on a normal year and a normal normal circumstances where none of none of these distractions exist of normal life i feel like it wouldn't have had the power that it's it's had and the significance maybe might not have made as much noise yeah and we've really had the time to read up and be educated about hiv and about the history coming off of the show and people have used their voices to kind of talk about like books to go off of or films to watch afterwards that kind of stuff i really need to like research it more and like become more engaged with like watching films about AIDS history and HIV history and that kind of thing but there's so much stuff on social media now discussing it that it makes it so much easier to learn. If you feel that you can want to educate yourself on something you probably will be able to find the resources which I think is a great positive is what else perfectly rounds out our chat to be honest yeah i feel like we've covered some 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 very important topics when it comes to social media all the good all the bad that comes with it and yeah i really really hope everybody enjoys listening to what we had to say as much as you enjoyed speaking about it having me completely Completely, but i have one more question before you leave okay one more thing for you yes obviously the title of this podcast as we all know is that's gossip so i feel like it would be rude to not spread a little bit of gossip at the end of each episode so my question for you is tell me the craziest rumor or piece of gossip you've ever heard going around about yourself that wasn't true so my one is i'll set the scene with my one so i joined i had just joined a new sixth form brand new school i kind of i knew people there and i knew who i wanted to be friends with who were like the popular people and there was this one guy there who i had met him previously but i knew he was like really cool i knew he had like similar music tastes and that kind of thing i don't remember if i knew he was gay at this point but at least when i joined the school i knew he was like the the resident gay of the high school <laughs> and so i was desperate to be friends with him i wasn't thirsting after him or anything i at the moment at the mm. time i was positive i didn't realize my sexuality but i really wanted to be friends with this guy because i knew he was really cool he's really funny and we have really similar music tastes and i was like oh my god i need to be friends with her because we can like talk about music or go to gigs and he's cool and i want to be able to call kids so i need to be friends with him cool and so as soon as i meet him for some reason he gets really intimidated by me and immediately decides that he hates me oh and so in order to get everyone else to hate me he goes around and tells everyone kieran's homophobic he hates <laughs> gay people and i'm like no i'm not homophobe what <laughs> And these people would like these these kids would go up to me and I, they'd be like, "Why do you hate gay people? Why are you homophobic? I don't understand." I'd be like, "I never." This, and not once, not not once did I say anything. It was all him just going around saying, oh, "Kieran's homophobic. Kieran's High homophobic. You don't want to be friends with him." Whack. What the hell? I was so it was so overwhelming, and they were. I couldn't tell if it was like some kind of weird joke, but 
I don't think no. it was. But the way that people would come up to me, they'd be really serious and be like, why do you hate gay people? That's not cool. And I'd be like, I don't. I know it's not cool. What the no. hell? And I bet there was actually homophobic people in that school that got away with it as well, because you oh, were Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. And That's I was the mad. one that like was apparently homophobic just because the cool kid said I was. It's mad, though. A popular kid in high school can say something, and that fact. People will believe yeah, it. And exactly. that is that, and you can't dispute it. So... Nice but to obviously end this now, podcast episode knowing that you're a homophobe. <laughs> yeah, now being out and proud and pansexual, it's just so funny looking back on it. Be like, what? I was, I'm literally the last person that'll be homophobic. Thank you for sharing. Thank you very much for joining us. I've had a really good time. Thank you so much for having me. I've had the best time. Like I said, I wanted to do a podcast for ages, and this has definitely been the perfect breaking of my podcast virginity. Well, I hope. From now onwards, you carry on being on all the podcasts that your heart desires. And I'm sure we will have you back on That's Gossip one day in the future. Thank you for listening to this episode of That's Gossip. Be sure to follow us on the That's Gossip Instagram, which is at That's Gossip Podcast. And the That's Gossip Twitter, which is underscore That's Gossip. I hope you all have a fantastic week and I will see you soon with a brand new episode.